Well, like Ben said, my name is Topher Ossel. I'm on staff here at Orchard Hill Church in kids ministry. I've been doing that for about six years now. Uh, and I've been a leader here at Big House for the last five. I'm an avid video game player and I self-described meme aficionado. Uh, and I really do mean that. My phone is currently home to roughly 2,500 memes, uh, zero of which I have created myself. And just as proof, I brought a couple of them to share with you guys tonight. Uh, so let's go with our first one here. Uh, this is just proof that it's been happening forever. Merch has always been important. Um, uh, this next one, I believe, I had a joke for this, I'm not gonna say it because I was told I might get in trouble for it. Um, <laughs> go on to the next one. Uh, and lo, it was danged. I have danged a lot of things in my life and I'm glad that at least some of them have been danged. Uh, I'm really excited to be here with you guys tonight uh, to kick off this new series. This is my third time teaching at Big House, and this one's particularly interesting to me because I've been given free reign to choose anything from the book of Proverbs or Psalms that I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, and I was drawn to these books because they're so different from the rest of Scripture. The Old Testament is this grand story of God choosing setting aside, protecting, and admonishing his people. It's filled with laws and stories and heroes, all of which point to God's overarching plan to redeem the world through Jesus Christ. And then there are these odd little books, Psalms, which is this, the hymnal of the people of God, and Proverbs, this strange anthology of stuff some dude said. Uh, most Old Testament scholars attribute the Proverbs to King Solomon, who ruled Israel after his father David, and you may remember him as the dude who, when approached by two women fighting over a baby, had uh, something like this to say. Uh, he said, it's simple, you both have uh, half. Uh, you may also know him as the guy who had 700 wives, Um, got to have a pickup line somewhere, right? Uh, so we know that he was by no means a perfect man. But the Bible tells us that he was granted an incredible amount of wisdom by God. And it's in the book of Proverbs that we find a lot of that wisdom written down in the form of Proverbs. They're these little easy-to-remember sayings that help us remember how we're supposed to live. And we have tons of modern proverbs that you've probably heard, like, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Or, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Uh, or, whatever you do, do not kill John Wick's dog. It's a bad idea. But seriously, this is what the book of Proverbs is. It's a collection of those kinds of sayings. Sayings designed to help us live our lives at harmony with the people around us and with God. Tonight I want to talk to you about one of those Proverbs in particular. And full disclosure, like I said, I work here in kids ministry, and this proverb that we're going to talk about tonight was our focus in kids ministry all through the month of September. So I've had a lot of time to think about this particular verse. 
If you have your Bible, you can open it up to Proverbs chapter 17, um, or if you have a Bible app, you can grab that too. Uh, Proverbs is the book right after Psalms, so if you open up right to the center of your Bible, you'll probably end up in Psalms, and then you just go one forward. Uh, We're going to look at Proverbs 17, verse 17. And it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So there you go. Love each other. That's the talk. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, It sounds like it's just such a no-brainer. Of course, friends should love one another. And of course, friends should help each other through hard times. But nothing is as easy as it sounds. See, each week in kids' ministry, we have what we call a bottom line, which is basically a proverb that we want the kids in kids' ministry to remember and take away from that morning. And in our second week, the bottom line was friends encourage one another. And as I was working through that talk, I came to the realization that I am probably a pretty difficult friend to encourage. I wouldn't say that I'm a perfectionist, but I tend to only see the problems with everything that I create. Um, When I get down off the stage, I'll probably only be thinking about the jokes that didn't land or the time that I misspoke a word. Uh, I read a prayer at my cousin's wedding this last weekend, and I'm still kicking myself over the fact that I just looked up in the middle of reading it and completely missed a line of the prayer. So when people tell me I did a good job, I might say thanks, but my brain fires up this highlight loop of failure that just plays over and over and over. But looking back on my life, there are people who have encouraged me. Even through my own self-sabotaging, neurotic idiocy, I was complaining to a friend a couple of months ago that I really did not want to go on the run that I knew I had to go on the next day, and I thought that would be the end of the conversation. But lo and behold, I wake up the next day and proceed to get text after text after text from this guy saying, hey, don't forget to go on your run today. Make sure you stay hydrated. Don't drink too much coffee at work. Did you do it yet? And I was telling this story to another group uh, recently, and one of the guys just raised his hand and was like, that sounds, that sounds way more annoying than encouraging. And I get that, but for me, it was actually wonderful because it showed that my friend was thinking about me and that my goals were important to him. Uh, Another quick example of great people in my life who have been encouraging. When I was in college, my brother died. I'm from Centerville, Iowa, which is three hours south of here, and I was going to UNI. And the day of the funeral, a bunch of my friends from UNI, along with Carla Chestnut and Jeff Mickey, from Orchard, made that three-hour drive down to Centerville. Now, none of these people had ever met my brother. They just knew that I was hurting and wanted to be with me, so they showed up. So I've been thinking about these two instances that both encouraged me. Why it was that I can remember them so clearly over weeks, months, and years, And the answer came to me while I was listening to a sermon podcast a couple of weeks ago. The pastor was talking about the difference between hope and faith. He said that faith is a present reality oriented towards the past, what God has already done for us, and hope is a present reality oriented towards the future, what we believe God will do and what he's already revealed that he will do. 
I think at the core of it, the most encouraging things are the things that build our hope and bolster our faith, whether that's in our community or in God. When something painful happens in our lives, our natural tendency is to feel alone. Pain in all of its forms makes us feel isolated. And in those moments, our friends and family reaching out, reminding us of their connection to us, can pull us through. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. We are called as Christians to bear one another's burdens, to pray for those around us, to rejoice with those who rejoice, and to mourn with those who mourn. What else is this but a call to mutual encouragement? Our relationships with each other are so closely tied to faith. That's one of the reasons why we have family groups here at Big House. More than just a small group or a Bible study, a family group is where you should be able to find brothers and sisters born for adversity, people who are ready to help you take on life's struggles and celebrate your successes. If we ever need an example of what it means to be an encourager, we don't have to look much farther than Jesus. One more story before we move on with our night. Uh, if you still have your Bible open, uh, go ahead and turn to John 21, verse 15. Uh, and while you do that, I'm going to set this story up a little bit. So here's what's, here's what's going on. Uh, Jesus got arrested. Uh, most of the disciples were just like, nope, gone. Uh, but Peter followed the guards that took Jesus away. Uh, and Jesus was being put on trial, and Peter was asked three times if he knew who Jesus was, if he knew Jesus, if he was friends with Jesus. And Peter didn't rise to that occasion. He failed in this particular instance, and he denied Jesus. Then Jesus was crucified, died, was buried. Three days later, he rose again and started hanging out with his friends. Uh, best reverse in the history of all time. Uh, so, Jesus showed up on the shore while some of his disciples were out fishing. And after Peter realized it was him, this absolute insane man puts on his coat, not off his coat, puts on his coat, jumps into the lake, and swims to shore. Uh, and that's where we pick up in verse 15. It says, After they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So, Peter had believed for quite a while that Jesus was the Son of God. And then he messed up. He disowned Jesus three times. 
Then he got confirmation that Jesus actually was the Son of God when Jesus rose from the dead. And I can't imagine the kind of guilt and shame and isolation and fear he must have been feeling, even in the midst of of the joy of Jesus being back. And Jesus, at the culmination of his time on earth, gives Peter exactly the encouragement he needs. This assurance of forgiveness, that his relationship with Jesus was still intact. And every time Jesus asked, do you love me? Jesus then gave Peter a command. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, and finally, follow me. See, Jesus knew exactly what Peter needed in that moment, and he went out of his way to meet that need. He was, and I'm going to use a way overused church word, intentional in his encouragement. I'm pretty good at cheering someone on in the moment they tell me something bad's going on in their lives. I'm even pretty okay at remembering to pray for them once I go home and I'm not directly in front of them. But I'm not always great at being intentional in following up with them. This, I think, is where words fall short. It's our attention to the needs of those around us that encourages them. It lets them know that they're seen, that they're known, and that they're worth us taking time out of our lives to pay attention to. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Peter wasn't that guy for Jesus. He dropped the ball big time. But that didn't stop Jesus from being that guy for Peter. We all have friends who let us down, and we've all let our friends down before. One of the great things about following Jesus is that we always get another chance. Maybe you need some encouragement right now. Talk to your family group about it. Let them live out this verse for you. Or maybe things are going pretty okay in your life. My challenge to you is to identify someone in your life who needs some intention or encouragement this week. Reach out, send a card, a text, maybe even a phone call. People still like those sometimes. Uh, Just let them know you're thinking about them. You might make someone's day. Let's pray. God, I think we're all more like Peter than we'd like to admit. Not always so great about being friends when the crap hits the fan. But you loved us enough to die so that we could be saved from our weakness. Loved us enough to give us tools like the book of Proverbs to learn to live the way you want us to. I pray that we could be better friends. Friends who love at all times. Brothers and sisters born to help others thrive. Thank you for who you are and for what you've done for us. We love you. Amen.